Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. It is a pleasure and privilege to welcome all of you into this house of the Lord, whether you are physically present with us or joining electronically. We are all here in the presence of the God of the universe to worship, to praise, to pray. And so let us be called together in worship with these ancient and timeless words from the third psalm. O Lord, how many are my foes, many are rising against me, many are saying to me, there is no help for you in God. I lie down and sleep. I wake again, for the Lord sustains me. I am not afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Friends, let us worship the living God.
Friends, God has held nothing back, but rather we are lavished with a divine will to hold us in relationship and to hold us close. So bring all your stuff, bring all your junk, bring all the weight that weighs you down and holds you back, bring it to the one who seeks you with love and freedom and forgiveness. Let's go to God in confession. Holy God, giver of light and grace, we have sinned against you and against our fellow men and women. Through ignorance, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, we have belittled your love and betrayed your trust. We are sorry and ashamed, and we repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and lead us out from darkness to walk as children of light. Amen. God chooses to love us. God chooses to liberate us. God chooses to forgive us. And we have a choice to live as loved, liberated, and forgiven people. In the name of Jesus Christ, I declare to you, we are loved, we are free, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. prepare to greet one another, we'd like to excuse our fifth grade and younger to meet their Sunday school teachers in the back. And our youth, if you're here with us, you can gather in the youth rooms at this time. And now, may the peace of Christ be with you. Let's greet one another. It does my heart good to see how many of you are not afraid of a little bit of rain and wind and cold. This is good. This is good. I'm very proud of you, especially those who were born here in Southern California and think that this is real winter. <laughs> Friends, let me share just a bit of what's going on in the life of our congregation so that you may make your own plans accordingly. This coming Friday evening, we will have a family movie night here at the church, a great time for fellowship and friendship. If you were born into a family, if you have a family, if you had a family, if you would like to have a family, you are eligible to come to the family movie night. We got a whole family right here. You know how I can tell your family? 
because you're dressed alike. <laughs> right? Right? So we're all family with each other. Come to the family movie night this Friday. There are more details about that in the emails and on the website. On Tuesday evening, we're going to welcome another part of the family to be with us for a concert, the St. Olaf Choir, one of the very best college choirs in the whole world. will be here in concert, and if you'd like to come to that, we'd encourage you to go to our website and make sure that you have your tickets. We already have several hundred sold, and it's a great opportunity to be uplifted with the beautiful gift of music. That's Tuesday evening. One of the things that happens when we have a family gathering here at the church, such as worship, is that we need people to help out. Those people are called ushers. It takes a lot of background, behind-the-scenes kind of work just to have so many folks here in worship. So if you might feel that God is calling you to be an usher, we'd like to invite you to a special training seminar on February the 12th. If you want to have more information about what it's like to be in an usher, talk to one of the ushers, or better yet, talk to Twyla. Where are you, Twyla? Back there. Twyla will tell you everything you need to know. Next Sunday and also the following Sunday, February 5th and February 12th, we will be celebrating the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is spelled S-O-U-P-E-R. We take the opportunity of some little football game that goes on somewhere in the country to collect cans of soup to feed those who need a little extra help with food. And so we are encouraging you to bring one can of soup or a thousand cans of soup to worship with you next Sunday or the Sunday after. And as a special offer to those of you who don't want to lug all that weight, you can take one little piece of paper, lightweight, write your name and sign it and put a lot of big numbers on it and make sure it has your bank account number or just take a lot of little green pieces of paper. We'll accept your cash donations as well. I want to welcome some special guests that are with us today that are part of our family as well. First of all, the Reverend Dr. Tom Boone. Tom, would you please stand up? Tom is the Associate Director for Mission of the Outreach Foundation. Uh, group of which I am privileged to serve on the board and that has helped uh, involve our congregation in a great deal more ministry around the world. Tom joined our staff now about two years ago because of his relationships and experience in the church in China and also the church in Europe. And as it turned out just a few months later, all of those relationships with the European churches in places like Lithuania and Poland and Ukraine allowed us to be involved in some very, very helpful forms of ministry very, very quickly uh, after the war started there. Um, one of the things that Tom helped spearhead was about 24 hours after the invasion in Ukraine. We put out the word through the Ministry of Outreach Foundation for financial support that we knew would be meet, needed in churches and seminaries and other Christian institutions in the region. And we were privileged to be able to raise about a million and a half dollars within the space of a few weeks that went immediately to support all of those ministries. You've heard us speak about those things before. Our congregation was privileged to raise about 10% of that amount 
amount. And we still are receiving support so that we can support our brothers and sisters in that very, very uh, difficult part of the world today. So Tom, we thank you for being here with us. I'd encourage you to pull Tom aside and speak with him about the ministry of the Outreach Foundation um, as you are able later on today. And then, of course, uh, the reason I know that most of you are here today is that we welcome the Reverend Dr. Ivan Rusin and his wife, Ludmilla. Ivan is a pastor of a congregation in Kiev, Ukraine, also the president of the Evangelical Theological Seminary there. They have been some of the recipients of the aid that we have been able to give to disperse that to people and need. And so, uh, Luda, would you stand up? Tom, we're going to, or Ivan, we're going to be having, there we go. Luda and Ivan will be uh, visiting several congregations across the United States, but we're the first because we're the best. That's just all there is to it. <laughs> Amen. There we go, Tom. <laughs> so, friends, God calls us to give because it's good for us, and it's good for God's children. And so now let's take an opportunity in this next musical offering to bring our tithes and offerings before the Lord, to place them in the baskets here, or in other ways, to find ways to give to God. God bless.
seated. Friends, there is no more important place for you to be than in this moment, in this place. And so center yourselves. Let go of all that comes before and all that's going to come after. You only have this moment. Let's go and be with God in prayer. God of all time and all places and all people, your ancient voice reaches across the ages and intrudes into our present moment. You remind us of the possibility of a future that is woven with the fine silk of peace. You would have us look at one another and deep into ourselves for the possibility that one day we will beat our swords and missiles and tanks into plows and tractors and infant seeds that carry the promise of a new day when the bellies of all your children are full. But now, Lord, we see in a mirror dimly, we are squinting in the fog and peering through the mist for a glimpse of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, you said, you declared, and then you turned your head towards Calvary. And in our anxiety and in our fear and in our hopelessness, you whispered into the ears of the most hardened and the most helpless, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You, sweet Prince of Peace, provide the balm for our troubled and frightened hearts. You nourish us with a vision for a world without war, and you entangle our hearts with the needs of people next door and people across this wide world, both of which are our sacred neighbors. Entrust us, holy well, to draw from your depths and quench the burning thirst of those who do not yet know that they belong to you, as does this world, as does our futures. Guide us, loving one, as we steer this boat of humanity through the white rapids of war and escalating threats. Empower us anew, O Christ, to be your body in the world, your faithful, unwavering, loving presence for all of those who have a song they cannot sing, who have a burden they cannot bear, for all who live in chains they cannot break, who wander homeless and cannot return, for those who are sick and for those who tend them, for those who live in hunger and for those who will not share their bread, for those who are captives and for those who are captors, for those who seek peace but must take up arms. Have mercy upon these, O Savior. Have mercy upon us all. Hear us now, generous light of peace, as we lift up with one voice the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
a reading from the book of Leviticus. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, no one shall defile himself for a dead person among his relatives, except for his nearest kin, his mother, his father, his son, his daughter, his brother, likewise for a virgin sister close to him, because she has had no husband, he may defile himself for her. But he shall not defile himself as a husband among his people, and so profane himself. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The word of the Lord. It is my privilege to worship God today with you. And uh, there are several moments in my life when I want Pentecost to repeat. Today is the one. It would be great if I would have a gift of different tongues and I would speak fluent English and you would understand everything I said. So you will, you will suffer a little bit with my English, but don't worry, I practice it a little bit with the previous people. <laughs> So I should, I should do better a little bit. <laughs> I choose this parable not to try to promote, to invite you or motivate you to support or to be generous more. I choose this parable because you already demonstrated extraordinary compassion and generosity. And I'm here to say thank you for your love and your care that you demonstrated to my country. The war is an existential, profound challenge. You can never be ready for war. It changed everything. It seems that 
I was introduced to myself. I didn't know who am I, because war changed everything. And it prompts us to rethink, refine our understanding of God, church, mission, society, future, life, everything. And we had to reread many texts that we know before. So today I want to invite you to a journey with me to read this parable with the Ukrainian lenses on your eyes. What kind of new features or teachings I see in this, in this parable? It is very important to remember what parable is about. So usually when we are listening the story, the parable, we think, oh, we understand everything. Everything is clear. We know how this parable will end. But in the middle of that story, we just realize that something goes wrong. Something is going in an unexpected way. Sometimes we think that we are the one who, are, who is interpreting the parable. But in the middle of that story, we realize that it is the parable that interprets us. We are like exposed, we are like naked in the front of that text or that message. Sometimes we can find ourselves in that story. And it's a great pleasure when we can recognize ourselves in good people in the story. And we might be a little bit uncomfortable when we see that, you know, we are not a good persons in this story. Parables, they do not give us answers. They, makes, they make our questions stronger. So if we, after hearing the story, we remain the same, you know, we didn't hear that story. If we did not find ourselves in that story, then we didn't understand that story. And in this parable, small secondary details are crucial. So uh, I know that your church is very biblical, you know everything, but let me pay your attention to some secondary stories and offer a Ukrainian reading of this, uh, of this uh, story. And if you will hear something really awkward, just remember, English is not my first language. So. <laughs> In this story, a man was robbed. And we see that two religious experts, the priest and Levite, are going in the same direction. And when I think about these two people in this story, you know, first my reaction is to blame them. Oh, they are not spiritual, they had no compassion. But they acted according to the Bible because it was forbidden to touch a dead body. And if you are on duty, you have to preach in the church, and you touched a dead body, you are ritually unclean. So you can't serve in the temple. Can you imagine you have been waiting for a year for your turn to preach, you prepared the great sermon, and now you lose the opportunity to share the word of God because you touched a dead body. And if you are serving the, in, the, in the temple, being unclean, you can be stoned. You can be punished to death. 
So it seems that both the priest and the Levite, they accomplish the text from the book of Levites. But there was a very small details. The man was half dead. They made the conclusion that there is no need to help. I have to, I have to avoid, I have to protect my, my, you know, my ritual cleanness. But that man was half dead. You know, sometimes we can use scripture in order not to help, in order to find millions of reasons, holy reasons, not to help. But Bible challenges us to use scripture to find opportunities to help. Sometimes we use our holiness or the Bible in order to bridge, to build bridge, to build walls around us. But this parable challenged us to build bridges to those who have big need. This parable teaches us that you do not to be you don't you don't have to be a priest or a worship leader to help. The only requirement is to have compassion. If you will study the Gospels, you will find out that many times when Jesus healed or taught or fed people, he did it because he had compassion. In the Gospel of Luke, it says, be merciful as God is merciful. It's interesting that true holiness see far, has good sight. So if I am true holy, I can see where need is. This parable teach me that I have to be where suffering is. Being in Ukraine for last 11 months, I learned that the Authentic mission is always incarnational mission. You can't help if you are far away. You have to be present. You have to be incarnated. And the Good Samaritan walked along that road. Why he decided to help? Maybe because he was robbed once. And he knew what does it mean to be in that condition. To say that it is, to say that life is tough in Ukraine is to say nothing. After 11 months of the war, yes, we can smile, but we smile because we cried out all of our tears. And we smile, and this is for us like a way of protest, like a way of demonstrating that we have hope. We learn in this situation that it is very important for the church to have the same wounds and scars our society has. When we are going in the same 
the same road that our society goes. Of course, as a church, we believe we have different destination, but we want to be in the midst. I thought that people are looking for answers where God is, why this is happening. Having hundreds and hundreds of discussions with people that suffered from the war, lost the loved ones, I realized that people are not looking for answers. People are looking for our presence with them. And you know, when you have the same scars, you become authentic. So when I speak with people, I, I understand what does it mean when your apartment was looted. When Russians had party in your apartment, I know what does it mean when your campus is hit by six missiles. I know what does it mean because our seminary was hit. I know what does it mean to run a funeral for your graduate who was murdered, who, has, who had five bullets in his head. I know what does it mean. And you know, this knowledge, this experience does not prompt me to speak a lot. Sometimes and most often, this prompts me to be silent. I don't know why this is happening, but I know how it pain, and I am here with you. It is very important for the church to be in the midst of suffering. I developed before, I, I had this idea that God is present where everything is beautiful. For sure, God is present in California. <laughs> or oh, when we are traveling around, oh, God is everywhere. <laughs> when you have rockets flying on your head, literally, you may think that, oh, God is in California, not in Ukraine. But when you reread the Bible, you, you can notice that God always show up where a problem is. This is why Jesus incarnated to earth. He was with us where a problem was, and he went to the cross. Some script, some in, in the Bible, we find out that Jesus was even in hell. It's the epicenter of a problem. So you can experience God in a special way when you are where problem problem is. We may ask where Jesus is in this parable. Definitely he was not there on that road. And rereading this story, rethinking about this story during this 11 months, I came to conclusion that Jesus is present in that parable. And I see him in the eyes of the suffering one. If you remember in Matthew 25, he says, when I was in prison, you visited me. When I, when I was hungry, you gave me a bread. So it seems I saw Jesus in the faces of people they were suffered in Ukraine. And using Elie Wiesel analogy or metaphor, I can tell you that 
I saw that Jesus was murdered in the city of Bucha, Mariupol, and other. And question I have, am I available to see Jesus in those who suffer? But Jesus is present for me also in a different way. I see him in the one who helps. I see him in that good Samaritan because he demonstrates this qualification, compassion, as Jesus always demonstrated. Some people ask me, did I see Jesus in Bucha? Because we are from Bucha, in the city that cruel atrocity happened. And I, I always told Sazam that I didn't see Jesus as a divine figure, as an angel. But I'm quite confident that I heard his voice when a volunteer would say, how can we help you? Or when lady would say, thank you very much. You are like angels for us. I hear the voice of Jesus. We as a church, as a Ukrainian church, we realize that we cannot be authentic if we are not present present with our suffering people. Another thing that I realize is silence. This Samaritan, he is helping without a word. He didn't preach, he didn't teach, he didn't even pray, at least out loud. He saw a need, he was, no, I, I want to help. Sometimes our sermon is stronger when we do not say a word. But when we help, people can see Jesus in us. And when our help is not motivated, when we provide food, we provide care, and we don't use this situation when, we're, when people are vulnerable, in Ukraine at this moment, First of all, we try to help, and then we speak about spiritual things. And when we help people, then they are open to listen what we are to talking. I was under stress as a theologian that I have to provide answers for difficult questions. Our responsibility is not to provide answers. Our responsibility to love, care, and to be with people. I received, and my fellow colleagues, we received more hugs from strangers than from our loved ones. And I will have strong dialogue with my wife after this statement. She, she is probably unhappy with this statement. <laughs> In the city of Hostomel, heavily impacted by the war, which was occupied for more than a month, we met a lady. Her husband was killed, and she didn't have a chance to have a funeral, so she just buried him close to her house, in, his, in her backyard, courtyard. So she just started to share her story. She started to cry. And then she started to give us a hug. 
And one of the best photos I have from this 11 month of the war, it is when our big student, you know, he, he, he receives a hug from a woman he met just a few seconds ago, and he, he just don't know like, what to do. And then he made the right decision. He gave you a hug. Sometimes through physical hugs, we can communicate more Jesus' love than through strong and big sermons. In Ukraine, people are not looking for answers. People are looking for our presence and compassion. This parable is challenging me if I am ready to help when nobody sees. I am quite confident that if a priest and a worship pastor would travel together, they would help. Because it's very awkward, you know, like when I have students in my car and somebody asking for money, even though I know that those people, they might use money for drugs, I will give because it is not really spiritual not to give when you have your students in a car. <laughs> but am I ready to help when nobody sees? And there is a bigger challenge. Am I ready to help when I can be wounded. So it, is very, it would be very smart for a Samaritan to, to move fast. There is violence happened. I have to leave this place. I have to care about my safety. But somehow, he, he decided to stop. And he helped that man, even in, if it was dangerous. Another challenge that I have with this parable, am I ready to help using my resources, my life? You know, sometimes how it's happened, I see a need and I go to a pastor and say, no, Pastor Jack, please, you have to help. You have to help. This parable challenged me to help with things I have. Well, on 24th of February, we had nothing to share with thousands and thousands of people who were in a desperate situation. We were able to feed thousands of people, evacuate a lot of people, provide support for thousands and thousands of people only because somebody in California had compassion and was ready to help. So we, as Ukrainian Evangelical Theological Seminary, we are serving just as a channels. Everything we have to give is our life, our energy. And I want to encourage you that thousands of lives in Ukraine, they were touched by you. You have your fingerprints on their lives. You will never met them, but be sure thousands of people they got meal, they got water, they got medicine, they were evacuated. They experienced that Jesus is present. Life is very difficult in Ukraine in this moment. But when our nation is going through such a difficult time, this is a unique moment to serve our nation as never before. I want to tell you, my dear friends, that this war is not about territory or a land. This war is about identity. This war is about 
will we have chance to live as a Ukrainian nation, to live according to our values, our dreams, or not? So the question is very easy. Fight or die. So this is why Ukraine is fighting, because unfortunately, there is no space for the Ukrainian identity in the Russian dominion, in the Russian world. This is not about land. And this is a unique moment when through our holistic incarnational ministry, we can touch our nation. And with our authentic presence and authentic witness, we can navigate our society. We are not praying for peace in Ukraine. We are praying for victory. Because just peace possible only after victory. Yes, we are waiting for a day when everything will be over, but we are afraid that next day this war is over. We will crash because our adrenaline will finish. And we will realize how terrible price we paid, how many people have been killed. And it's very big dangerous that we might become a hostages of our trauma, our dream, our vision as a church to do everything we can to navigate our wounded nation through lament, trauma healing, and hopefully to reconciliation. How do we serve our nation? How do we equip our churches so we can be a community where we can cry, we can lament, and then we start to experience healing. And maybe we can go toward reconciliation. I want to thank you for your generosity because in the, by, by your help, we felt that Jesus is taking care about Ukraine. We are not alone. And something special about you, you were among the first who reacted. And you really asked us, what do we need? So I want to thank you, and I want to invite you to continue praying for Ukraine. Because in these difficult times, we can see ugly faces of the war, but also we can see beautiful faces of people who are ready to serve who are ready to be incarnated, to be present, and in that ministry to show God's love. This parable like, leaves, like, creates a challenge for me, and my prayer that I will have enough courage and obedience to follow Jesus where he goes. And if somebody thinks that Jesus is leaving Ukraine, I am quite sure he is coming to Ukraine. He is coming to the places where suffering is and where the need is the most. So may God bless you for your generosity, 
for your care that you demonstrate it to us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege I have to be part of global community, your church. Yes, we speak different languages, we represent different, different cultures, but we are one in your love. I thank you for the privilege to be part of your mission, mission in my own country where war is, where suffering is. And I want to thank you for your faithful servants here in California who care about us. And I ask you to bless everybody who pray, who contributed, who helped us. And I ask you that church in Ukraine, we as the church, we will serve our nation. We will navigate our nation to you, to healing and reconciliation. May your name be, will be glorified through everything we do. Amen. Don't sit down. <laughs> Let's stand together, friends, and let the words of the ancient prophet Micah guide us in affirming our faith together. With what shall we come before the Lord and bow ourselves before God on high? Shall we come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall we give our firstborn for our transgressions, the fruit of our bodies for the sins of our souls? He has told us what is good, and what does the Lord require of us but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God?
friends, before we have the benediction and the choral benediction, let me remind you that following the organ postlude, we will stay here in the sanctuary for a period of question and answer so that you might have a chance to converse with Yvonne and also perhaps with Luda. Before we do that, though, it is a privilege that you and I have to reach out and hug these folks. Thanks for the standing O. That was, a, that was kind of a very American way of doing a hug. <laughs> but let's do the Christian way. Let's pray for these folks. Oh God, your spirit has moved across the face of the earth and in the life of Jesus and in the continuing life of your church. Your spirit moves especially where there is suffering and pain. Your spirit has moved among the brothers and sisters of Ukraine as they have suffered, but as they have reached out with the hands of Jesus to wrap their arms around the world there that is hurting. We pray then for this brother and this sister, indeed part of the family of the church. And we thank you for their faithful witness, for their hopeful courage, for their reliance on you we thank you that you have enabled us to be part of their ministry and that in the future we would ask for the same. We thank you for the strength and courage that you give to all of us and ask that you would encourage these dear friends, these dear members of our family with our appreciation and with our love and support and that they would carry this message back to all those whom they will touch in Ukraine. We thank you that we can pray these things knowing that you already have answered by moving in the hearts and minds of millions to know your son Jesus and to minister in his name as those who are neighbors to others. We pray that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And now, friends, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. May the love of God surround and enfold you. May the power of the Holy Spirit lead you out into the world that God loves so that you might love it with God's love. In the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ, this Lord and Savior. Amen. <laughs>